When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nothing personal sound of the day is boo. Who doesn't love booing players or booing executives? It's like a rite of passage. You buy a ticket. You're watching in a bar. You get to boo. Booing is when the team's not winning. Booing is when the team's winning, but your favorite player or any player is not playing well. Booing is when you've had a bad day. Your team is playing well, but you want to express some sort of disgust through your rib cage up your esophagus and out of your vocal cords. Booing is as old as the world. It's not just sports where people boo. It's everything. A bad movie, boo. You have a bad time on the highway in traffic, boo. I've spent so much time talking to players about the boos and the heckling and the cheers. You have to forget about it. You can't think about it. Javier Baez was traded from the Cubs to the Mets. He was a deadline acquisition where Mets fans were super excited. Hey, we got Javier Baez. I said on nothing personal. Javier Baez is fine. Not going to make a difference. The Mets were entering a tough part of their schedule. Coca is a Mets fan. Erstwhile was very clear that the Mets were in first place. He, he's a schedule looker and a schedule stimulation. Strike that. <laughs> 40, 69. Matt Coca is a schedule simulator. He goes through and says, oh, this team is going to start losing games. This team is going to start winning games, looking at strength of schedule, et cetera, et cetera. He said the Mets are about to free fall before they were in first place when he said this and free fall they did, like at a ride at Universal without a net. Steve Cohn, the owner, has made things worse, not better through his tweeting and all the things he does calling out the players, the players pretending they're okay. Lindor saying it's good. Fine. The Mets are losing again. Javi Baez does something good, puts his thumbs down. Players do these little hand signals all the time. They're inside jokes that, that they come up with in the clubhouse that the manager always knows about. Remember that when I read to you what Louis Rojas said in a minute. Oh, I had no idea what was going on. Where's hockey? He knew exactly what was going on. The front office knows what all the hand gestures are because when we see something and we don't know what it is, we call down and say, hey, what's that? Putting up some some teams have done the what, what was it? The Red Sox had a or the Rays had a had a fancy bear or something from one of their players nicknames. There's people who give the OK sign. There's people who give the salute sign. There's teams who do all these different things. So the Mets have been doing the thumbs down sign. In order to psych themselves up when they get on second base with a double or they walk, they get to first base, they give the sign home run, they cross the plate. 
thumbs down, whatever the case may be. I didn't think anything of it. I'd seen it. Doesn't make a difference to me what it is. I just wanted to know as the team president what was going on. But as a non-team president now, I could care less what it is. If the announcers say it or it's written about, I'll take a look. If not, it's just players being players. Fine. Javi Baez meets the um, media after the game. and He says, when asked about the thumbs down, he didn't respond that, hey, man, I deserve it. I've been here 17 games. I've been hurt. I'm hitting 210. Basically, I stink. If I were the fans, I'd boo me too, taking a line from the captain, Derek Jeter. Instead, Baez talks about his mental health, which I'm not making fun of. He said, we're not machines. It's hard. We fail seven out of 10 times. True. Baseball, you fail seven out of 10 times. You're a 300 hitter. It's the only sport I've ever seen where you can fail that often. I guess soccer, there's a lot of failing on drives to the to the hoop. And in hockey as well, when you're driving to the goal, the net, whatever the case may be. So Baez makes the mistake of actually telling us what the thumbs down is for. The thumbs down is saying, you fans are booing me when I don't do well. So when I do do well, I'm going to boo you. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I think I immediately tweeted out, "Uh uh-oh, because that is the third rail. The third rail has two parts, right? Don't go in the stands and fight. The second third rail is don't ever say anything bad about your fans. When you win a title, the first people you thank, I want to thank the fans. When you do something well, I want to thank all of my supporters. It's like an acceptance speech for an award. I'd like to thank the fans, even if it's not a People's Choice Award or whoever has voted for you. That's who you thank first. I guess in that case, you thank Steve Cohn first. He voted to get by Ezra Lindor would thank Steve Cohn because he paid Lindor $340 million. Maybe that's what you do when you do something well. Instead of thumbs down, you just always thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. So Baez says it all of a sudden, the media on Twitter, it's trending, it's crazy. They go to Louis Rojas and ask about it. He says, I haven't talked to Javi about that. Or Saki. Everything's been about the game. Louis Rojas, you have a managerial problem, as in you need to find another job here shortly. I'm getting to know Javi more and more every day. He's an outstanding kid to be around. Javi being a new guy around here, getting to know our fan base. Here's a little hint for all of you. Every player knows about every fan base because they all have been around. They all speak to people on other teams. Javi Baez, having played for the Cubs, is trying to make you believe that he was not aware what the New York fan base was like, which is what the Philadelphia fan base is like. which is what 30 fan bases are like. You get booed in Milwaukee, you get booed in St. Louis, you get booed in LA, you get booed in Kansas City. You get booed. But Louis Rojas said he he doesn't realize he's new here. The only thing that players don't know is how they'll react to the fishbowl of the New York media. But even that has changed. 
in the old days, in the old days. God, I hate that expression. Cut that, Coca. Four, six, nine. Before social media and before players had such easy access to fans and fans had such fake easy access to players, there were some cities where if you hadn't played there, you really didn't know how you were going to feel. In New York, they'd call it the New York effect. Can you be a good Yankee? Can you handle the pressure from all the media in New York? But because of social media, there's been an equalizing factor where the media in smaller markets and the media in larger markets, it's almost the same now because everyone is on top of everything you're doing at all times. So for the manager, Luis Rojas, to lie to us and say, hey, Javi, he's getting to know our fan base. Some of the reaction that our fan base has, you see it's something he's learning. Okay. You're right. Javi Baez, having come from the Cubs, has no idea what it is to fan, to, to boo. And then he said something that he may have been told to say that I would never have our manager say. We don't tell our fans or the media that we are unique, that you are different. He said, especially Mets fans, New York fans, this market, this city knows baseball probably more than any other city. Really? I don't think so. They have the right to react however they want. You're right about that, but that wasn't good enough. So what happens when this, when Javi Baez talks to the media, the way it would work is that the director of media relations would call his boss, the head of communications. The head of communications would immediately call the president of baseball operations and me, because we'd be in our office or in the clubhouse, wherever we'd be, while the players are meeting with the media after the game, and say, Houston, we have a problem. One of the players just said the following things. I would then immediately call the owner and say, here's what happened, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to release a statement, and I'm going to talk to the player right now. And the statement I'm going to release is going to come from me, not from you, I would say to the owner because I don't want you to be associated with having to be negative toward the players. Oh my God, wait a minute, Steve. You're already negative to the players. You're so happy to get on Twitter, Steve, and talk about how bad your players are. Now you're gonna have to go public and again, go against your player to say absolutely how unacceptable it is to call out your fans. Steve says, no, thank you. Hey, Sandy, you put your name to that statement. Sandy says, Steve, I think it'd be much more impactful if you do it. The president of the team, I would say, no, it's going to come from me. And my statement is going to be a little different than Sandy Alderson's. He got the statement out much faster than teams get it out when their players are in trouble legally. Javi Baez stated that his thumbs down gesture during the game, Sandy said, was a message to fans who recently have booed him and other players for poor performance. These comments by him and our other players with a similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tolerated. The Mets will not tolerate any player gesture that is unprofessional in its meaning or is directed in a negative way toward our fans. I will be meeting with our players and staff to convey this message directly. Mets fans are loyal, really passionate, knowledgeable, and more than willing to express themselves. We love them for every one of these qualities. So here's the thing with that statement that you should know about. 
I would have done the exact same one. And as I read it and I thought through, I would have added a sentence. So it wouldn't have been the exact same one, I guess. It would have been the statement with those sentiments plus one sentence. I would have explained that Javi Baez and his career with the Mets is over. Now you're saying I wouldn't have done that back in the day. And I would say, yes, I would have. And here's why. Because while Javi Baez may be a great double play partner with Lindor, Lindor may want Baez with him. Baez may be willing to play second base if you pay him enough. The reality is the way the Mets are constituted, they're going to have a much bigger issue with pitching than they are on their position player side. While this season has been very rough for them offensively, the reality is they're going to have to allocate resources toward pitching in a way they wouldn't have expected to. And Javi Baez is going to want too much money. Javi Baez, the juice is not worth the squeeze. And I'm going to say it right now. So the fans know that I am choosing them and I am choosing winning. I'm going to sell him down the river because we're not in the race. I'm not sacrificing the future of our team this season. We're done. I'm not creating a fissure in the clubhouse because I will have spoken to Baez and to Lindor, who is the face of the franchise, having given him 340 over 10. And I'm telling them exactly what I'm saying. And I'm telling Lindor, hey, we're partners in this. I'm not calling you out publicly, even though you were a part of this. You've got to be better. Let's be better. If you're not going to hit 300 and be a $34 million shortstop, then be a leader off the field, be a leader in the clubhouse, be a leader on the bench. Do the little things that we need to do, and you better understand who pays your money. Steve Cohen's not going to be willing to lose money forever. The Mets are seven and a half games back of the Braves. Their season's done. Their roster was put together sloppily and poorly. Steve Cohen has had a brutal first year of ownership but it's a first year. He's going to get a redo next year. He's going to have to dip his toes in the free agent market. He's going to keep the payroll up. He calculated two years of major losses. So you're going to have a good payroll next year in New York. Don't worry. Do you believe that Sandy will be your top baseball decision maker? Do you believe that Louis Rojas will be filling out the opening day lineup? All right, Coca. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Thank you very much for being a part of Nothing Personal. I hope you all had a good weekend. So you want to talk to Samson is from Half Baked, a movie that is better seen fully baked, but is equally funny when you're quarter baked. There's a character in there named Samson, and you can go into my Twitter at David P. Samson, ask a question, and I may get to it. You can also email us at some email, nothing personal, DS at Gmail. David, hi. First off, I want to say that I'm very sorry to hear about your loss. You had a beautiful tribute to Nancy on Nothing Personal. Thank you. No good transition here, but I do have a question. Has there ever been any talk in owners' meetings on how you can prevent teams from tanking? What the Orioles are doing this year is horrible. And I feel like this kind of stuff is bad for the game. Is there any way that tanking can be stopped? Thank you for your sentiments and thank you for the question. I want to talk about tanking for a minute. 
What's the definition of tanking, Coca? It's just got in my head that I want to mention this. Because we talk about tanking as a way to win, right? If your team is not winning with the players you have, then you trade those players and you start again. People associate tanking with money. It means to fall, to fail completely, especially at great financial cost. To fail completely, especially at great financial cost. Nobody tanks in Major League Baseball. We've mislabeled it. When you bring down your payroll, the amount of fans who don't go to your games because you have brought down your payroll and the money that that represents is far less than the money you save by bringing your payroll down. Let's say that you make $5 million per 100,000 fans. If you shave $30 million off your payroll, are you going to get 600,000 fewer paying fans? No. It always made more financial sense to lower your payroll, knowing that you didn't have the right pieces. And if you could get rid of your overpaid pieces when you know your team's not ready to win, that's not tanking. That's good business. Teams don't set out to say, we are going to lose games. Coca had a major disagreement with me before the show last night saying that in his mind, tanking is when you purposely field non-competitive teams so that you can take advantage of certain league rules that benefit losing teams. I'm going to take issue with those of you who believe that in baseball, the teams are going for the first pick in the draft. Or in football, teams are going for the first pick in the draft. Or in basketball, they're going for more lottery balls. What you're doing is resetting your team, trying to accumulate as much talent, both through the draft and through free agency and watching your minor league players develop, waiting for your window to open again. Houston Astros and Chicago comes did it famously because it led to World Series victories. The Orioles have not had their rebuild go well. The Tigers have had an expansive, extensive rebuild and they're starting to win more games. We tried to rebuild the Marlins in 06. We did it again in 13. We called it a reset, a reallocation. It was never tanking. The Orioles aren't trying to get the number one pick in the draft. The Orioles are owned by a family who's simply unwilling to lose money. Oh my God, how horrible is that? They're owned by a family who gets so involved in the baseball operations that they basically run the team and they're not very good at it. To not want to lose money and be so involved that you don't make good decisions because you're not a baseball person, that's a totally separate word. Is it bad for baseball that the Orioles stink? When Major League Baseball negotiates its national TV deals, do you know how many networks say to baseball, man, we're going to give you less money because the Orioles stink and you've got five teams that don't have a chance when the season starts? Nope. When you're doing your local TV deal, which I did with Miami, do you know how many times 
Fox brought up the Marlins losing record or the Marlins low payroll? Donut. Zero. If you can put up with fans saying we're not going to come to the games, so Baltimore draws 7,000 people, which the Angelos family puts up with. We wanted to draw more people in Florida, but couldn't even when we were good. So why would we have a payroll that would cause us to lose money? Even though we did, our payroll was always too high. There were only a few years. Out of 18 years, I believe that we had a payroll three times where we actually made money during those years, which we just used to pay for losses and stadiums. A stadia. Mm. So there's not one TV network that says to MLB they're upset about the Orioles. Let's go to sponsors. Let's talk about Lone Depot, an MLB sponsor. When they said, yeah, we're going to sponsor MLB and we'll do a naming rights deal for Marlins Park. But you know what? We're going to give you a little less money because, man, trade the Orioles stink. Nope, nobody. Not one sponsor says a word about that. They're more interested in activation. They're more interested in spending their marketing budget so they don't lose it from above. Use it or lose it. They're interested in being associated with the product, with the demographics that baseball provides. So the reason owners don't care is that, number one, it doesn't impact their bottom line. Number two, if it does impact, it impacts it positively when you lower your payroll. Number three, you never want to legislate a rule. Remember what we said about making owners sell? I don't remember who we were talking about. Coco, we did a show a couple of weeks ago where the question was asked, would you make this owner sell? Oh, the Angels. You wanted Artie Moreno to sell. And I said, no owners would do that. Remember, because tomorrow it could be them. Same with baseball. Same with all the sports. You don't want to legislate away flexibility with your payroll, which is why having a salary floor is not something the teams want, because you want to be able to do what you want whenever you want to do it. Now, you may say that's not good because it's a public team. You have a public trust when you run a baseball team. I heard that all the time. We've got a public trust. Yeah, okay, whatever. When we come back, we're going to talk about Bob Ross. Okay? So please come back after the break because I am worked up and furious at the Kowalskis. G Officer Krupke, you know it's a shame. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. Hope you had a good break. Thanks for sticking through the gauntlet of the break. We watch a movie every day. I watched a documentary called Bob Ross. Was it happy endings and betrayal and greed or happy accidents, betrayal and greed? It's on Netflix. You must watch it. Bob Ross is the guy who paints. And all of a sudden there's a canvas with let's put a tree here. And then there's a tree. Let's put a mountain here with snow and bing, bang, boom. I have the Bob Ross Chia Pet. I have the Bob Ross socks. I have the Bob Ross shirt. There's nothing better in college than getting stoned and watching Bob Ross, the joy of painting. This is what I was told. (laughs) So the documentary comes on. I had no idea all of these years that Bob Ross's family does not own the rights to Bob Ross and his name, image, and likeness. It's owned by the Kowalskis. The Kowalskis are related to Officer Krupke, not good people. They had Bob Ross sign a document which basically said that they own everything. So after Bob Ross died, and he died young, who knew he died? Turns out the Kowalskis tried to cover up the fact he died because they thought people wouldn't want to know he died because you keep putting out new shows. It's like he's alive. Not sure why that matters. Bob Ross Inc. makes a ton of money and Bob Ross's family makes none of it. Shame on you, Kowalskis. What you did is fraudulent. You are able to accomplish what you are because you did something that I would do. You made it so it was so expensive to be sued and that you were going to make Bob Ross's son spend so much money that he couldn't afford it and he had to give up the lawsuit. And that's why you won. You won the first round, but on appeal, you would have lost. Here's why. You can't fraudulently induce someone to enter into a contract. There is some question as to what Bob Ross's frame of mind was when he did what he did with you. And the fact that you're unwilling to share a penny with any of his family when there are millions of pennies to share, I understand that it's about business. In this show, the words are actually spoken. It's nothing personal. It's just business. I'm more generous than that. Well, to me, it is all business. When you are making money from someone else, not from something you're doing, it's not like on this show where, where Coke and I are making money because of what we do and what we put out. When you are making money off someone else's name, image, and likeness, Forget how dirty that is. It feels dirty, right? We wouldn't make money off the name image likeness of our players. We made money because we put a group of people together and said, go out and play a game. We're going to pay you a ton of money, and then we're going to make money. We're all going to make money. If you want to be an owner when you're done playing or while you're playing, then be an owner. Renegotiate the union deal that you can be an owner while playing, and we're good. When you run a movie studio and you try to have the actors make as little money as possible, I get it. But when you know you need somebody to do something, you pay for it. What the Kowalskis did is they sued their way to the top. 
I never did that. I got sued as a team. Me getting to the top was just fortunate birth. Staying at the top took work, effort, and a lot of thick skin. Here's how this Bob Ross situation ends. You got to watch the documentary. The way it ends is that there's going to be another lawsuit. And Steve Ross is going to get a stream of revenue going forward. His name is not Steve Ross. Steve Ross is the owner of the Dolphins. Coco, what's the name of Bob Ross's son? I don't know why I'm saying Steve. That's in my head, but that's strange. Not related to Steve Ross of the Dolphins. It is Steve. Steve Ross is going to do another lawsuit. He's going to file again, and he's going to prevail because there's enough evidence and there's enough people willing to come forward, even though in this documentary it was claimed that half the people wouldn't even talk about the Kowalskis because they were worried about being sued by the Kowalskis. Make sure you watch it. I had a tough weekend. I did watch a movie every day. I went to college. I tried to be Rodney Dangerfield, but it turns out I'm not. I went back to school and dropped off my son, my youngest. He's in college now. I think it was easier when I went to college because there was one payphone on the dorm floor and that's it. I didn't expect to speak to my family. My family didn't expect to speak to me. But now with the advent of cell phones, I'm fighting the urge every minute to text. How are you? Is everything okay? Are you making friends? Are you being responsible? Are you being smart? Can I further protect you the way I've tried to always protect you? When your last kid goes to college, you have this feeling of thinking that it's going to be a relief, that it's a life passage. And instead, it adds more anxiety and stress to me. Because when you know you can do something and you're not doing it, it hurts. When you know you can't reach your child because there are no cell phones, and there are no phones, and it is what it is, you close your eyes and move on to the next thing and wait to hear from them or see them Thanksgiving. When you know that the technology exists where you can FaceTime or call every minute, you feel like you want to do it. But the college experience is teaching children to thrive on their own, to survive on their own. And really, it's just selfish introspection when I'm worried about him, because what it really means is I'm worried that I didn't do a good enough job to prepare him to be out of the house. That's what worrying is about your kids. It's just worrying that you weren't good enough, that you made mistakes along the way, and those mistakes are going to cost your kids, that your kids are going to make the same mistakes you did or different ones. What are they going to make? You want to stop your kids from making every mistake, but then they don't learn adversity. It was emotional. I, I, tried to, uh, I tried to cover it up on the last goodbye. Have you ever tried to cover up tears where, you know, you turn away or you, you move your nose, you raise your nose and lower your lip like that if you're watching on Nothing Person with YouTube, with David Sampson's YouTube channel, you do that. I'm making a face right now where I'm raising my nose and lowering my lip. Somehow that closes the tear ducts. So you try to cover it. Or I did a 360 spin to try to get so I wouldn't be seen. The good news is that Caleb's not going to hear this. <laughs> okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. Rodone came off the injured list for the Chicago White Sox and they beat Ryu and the Blue Jays Thursday 
April 20, August 26th. Did you listen to the Dr. J and Gary Payton podcast that we released on Friday? Those interviews? I did not follow up. How did the semifinals go? I didn't watch this weekend. How did they go, Coca? How did uh, Tri-State and the Three-Headed Monsters, how did they do? I didn't, we didn't even ask about this pregame, which means he's now furiously Googling on CBS big three results while we're talking, and then he's going to yell at me. I can't believe you asked me that during the show. Anyway, we're 109 and 91. The White Sox prevailed. I got a game for you. I got a series for you. We're heading into September. The mentality of teams who are on the bubble or in the wild card race or leading their division by fewer than eight games is you start now counting off days of the schedule. You know exactly how many games you have left. You're doing a program in your mind of series you're going to win, series you're going to lose, sort of paying attention, scoreboard watching every single day, players and executives scoreboard watch, and they scoreboard watch early. We always said, ah, we don't look at the standings till Memorial Day. That was, that was always my line. I don't care what other teams are doing in my division. I'll let you, I'll take a look in June. Hey, what's your record? What do I know? If there's a GM of a team that doesn't know his team's record, that GM's not going to be GM for long. If there's a president of a team that doesn't know the record on a given day, you're not going to be president for long. The Rays and Red Sox start a series. When are people going to see that the Rays are the best team in the American League? Soon? I don't know. How many players on the Rays can you name right now? Just close your eyes. How many players on the Tampa Bay Rays can you name? The Tampa Bay Rays ownership and front office knows that it doesn't matter what the answer to that question is. They just want to win. Something else happened in baseball this weekend. The Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals announced that all of their non-uniformed staff members would now have to become vaccinated. Mandatory vaccines, first two teams in baseball to announce that. We can't make, we, Dollar Coca, they cannot make the players get vaccinated because the players are part of a union. What about the seasonal workers? No mention of that. You know why? You don't control them. Seasonal workers are those people who flip your burgers and Roll your dogs and pour your beer. They're the ones who check your tickets, scan you in, and they're the ones who eject you when you boo and hold up bad signs at the ballpark. When the Astros and Nats discussed that they were having mandatory vaccinations, they forgot to mention the fact that those mandatory vaccinations do not count for anybody who is covered by a union or for anyone who they do not control. All of those game day employees are not controlled by the team as much as we tell you they are. They're not. What the Nationals and Astros announced is that they're full-time employees, meaning marketing, sales, finance, baseball operations. Those are the C-suite people. Those are people who have to be vaccinated. And I think it's great. It would be if I were running the team right now, I would have announced it well before this. You want to work here? Great. Get vaccinated. You want to give me an excuse why you're not being vaccinated and tell me it's religious? Tell me the religion and explain to me why you can't be vaccinated. And then I'll tell you whether or not I'm going to let you 
continue working here because I get to decide whether you work here. Not you. Leagues are trying to figure out what to do. What's the use of having the front office vaccinated when the players aren't? There are still players who are not vaccinated. Explain to me why any of you are not vaccinated. You're an anti-vaxxer? What, what does that mean? I am a pro-math guy. That's it. I don't care about race, creed, color, religion. None of it. Science. I like science. I believe in it, but I'm a math guy. When I see statistics, I'm a stats guy. Not a purely analytical guy. But I look and see that if you're vaccinated, you're not going to die of that COVID disease. You're not going to need to be hospitalized. That's good enough for me. Is there a chance I'm going to get COVID still? Yeah. Had it. May get it again. Do I want the booster? You're goddamn right I do. Astros and Nats are trying to take credit for making this policy. The NBA is doing the same thing league-wide. Refs have to be fully vaccinated. Refs are part of a union, Coca. The union had to have agreed to that, by the way. And if the NBA refs un referees union has agreed to be fully vaccinated, that means the MLB umpires union is going to have to follow suit and agree to be fully vaccinated. But MLB umpires tend to flex their flab, so I'm not exactly positive how that'll end. But I know that baseball will make sure that their umpires are vaccinated. You watch. As a society, we have no choice. We are in worse position now with COVID numbers. We're not going to do a shutdown again. There are states like my old state, Florida, that's an absolute disaster because the majority of people aren't vaccinated. Why? Give me one reason. The NBA referees, thank you, Coca, that is value-added, said this agreement is a win-win. It will support the NBA's objective of creating a safer on-court environment and continuity of play while protecting the health and well-being of the referees. The referees agreed. They're a union. MLB is concerned that its players' union will not agree to be fully vaccinated. There's collective bargaining talks that are going on. If I am ownership, I'm saying this very simply. This is a... Ride or die, die on the hill, whatever metaphor you want to come up with, this issue will not be compromised. You want to be active on a roster, you will be vaccinated. I don't care what your agent says. I don't care what your wife says. I don't care what your priest or rabbi says. You want to play, you will be vaccinated. You want to be paid to play at any level from single A to major leagues, you will be vaccinated. You want to watch how quickly the players who are not part of the union, which is every minor league player, not part of the union, not on the 40-man roster, how quickly they're going to be forced to be vaccinated? You want to see how quickly the new collective bargaining agreement will require vaccination? You're an owner of a team. You're running a league. And these players are getting COVID. And by definition, they have to go on the COVID list and disappear for five to 10 days. The negotiation I'm going to have is that if you're not vaccinated and you get COVID like what the NFL did with its teams, if you are not vaccinated and you get COVID and miss time, 
you do not get paid. What do you do when you've got a player who's hurt? It's an interesting one, actually. I was always jealous of the teams who had the money to pay players when they're hurt on the hope that they'll become unhurt. The Dodgers always would trade for hurt players, sign them to a two-year deal, pay them a little bit while they're rehabbing, and then pay them a ton the next year. And if they never get better, they just write off the amount, literally and figuratively, that they pay that player. Josh Johnson got a deal like that with one of his Tommy Johns, former pitcher, started the first game in Marlins Park against the Cardinals with strike one. He signed a deal where he got paid a small amount and then a large amount. A bunch of players do that. When you are a low revenue team with not a lot of money to work with and not a lot of ability to cover up mistakes, you really don't have a choice to do it. The Astros are in an interesting position. I was thinking about Justin Verlander. I saw an article this weekend. You remember him, Kate Upton's husband, Justin Verlander, the Houston Astros pitcher who had Tommy John who hasn't pitched and the Astros are still in first place. Justin Verlander is going to be a free agent next year. This is the last year of his long-term deal. That's been a huge success for the Astros. He and Scherzer, I would argue, have been the two best pitcher long-term deals that I can remember in the last 20 years. What do you do, though, if you're the Astros? The way it works after free agency of your own player, we'll see if this happens in the new collective bargaining agreement, but it will. Something called a qualifying offer, which is you make a one-year offer to your impending free agent, and that free agent can either accept that one-year deal, and then he's back on your team for a year. Kevin Gausman did it this year with the Giants. Or the player can reject the offer, and then if the player signs with someone else, you get a compensatory draft pick. The qualifying offer is around $19 million. Justin Verlander has not pitched this year. It is unlikely that he will pitch a full season next year. And it is unknown what he will be next year. Is he going to be a number two? Is he going to be a number four? Is he going to blow out again? There are certain teams that wouldn't think twice they will offer Verlander a qualifying offer. Verlander is going to go to the free agent market, try to get more than $19 million. He's never been a free agent. He just signed extensions with the Tigers and the Astros, as I recall, throughout his career. So as a first-time free agent, he's going to test the waters as a post-Tommy John not having proven, not having proven health before, which he hasn't, and he won't be able to by the end of the season. He could do a showcase. He could sh- throw bullpens for teams in free agency. But every team is going to wait for him to throw. And then they're going to offer him not what he thinks he deserves. He used to make $30 million a year. That's what he's making this year. $30 million in that range. Will any team give him more than $19 million? Yes. Will any team give him more than $19 million per year? No. So the Astros are taking a huge chance by making him a qualifying offer that he actually accepts it. And the Astros are not the Dodgers. There is a limit to their payroll. They have another free agent in Correa who they're already giving signals that they're not going to be able to re-sign. 
to keep their payroll, which is not low, where it needs to be. The teams who can afford to just have a $19 million one-year player who's not playing or performing, that list doesn't include the Astros. Do you take the chance? Here's how I play it. I'm speaking to his agent, and I'm asking. I'm having a conversation. What do you got out there? Because Verlander's agent has been talking to other teams from the beginning. I want to know. Tell me. Agents generally will not be forthcoming. They will exaggerate. They will say, yeah, we got three years out there right now at $25 million per year. Great. He better take that. I go back to the owner and say, Verlander's got 25 over three from someone. Let's make him the qualifying offer and get the draft pick. No, I wouldn't say that. Because Verlander doesn't have 25 for three from any team. It's likely Verlander doesn't have 38 for two. It's likely that he will not get more than 19 for one. Therefore, it is not impossible that he will accept the qualifying offer, try to prove health and become then a free agent the year after, except he's old. It's just not going to work. I got to wait to see for you. It's a pretty good one. The Astros will not make Justin Verlander a qualifying offer. Wait to see is when you tell you, we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, fine. But either way, we're going to revisit it. We will revisit it after the season. The Houston Astros will not make Verlander a qualifying offer. In the remaining two minutes I have, I want to wish good luck to the Joker. Today is the first day of the U.S. Open in New York. There is a wait to see what date was it Coco with Naomi Osaka that she would not play in the U.S. Open. I got that wrong. She is in the draw. There's a bunch of people not in the draw. Federer, Nadal, the Williams sisters, but Naomi's playing. That wait to see is wrong. Djokovic is trying to become the all-time leader in major victories. He's already won the first three. He's trying to win the Grand Slam. Calendar Grand Slam. First time since 69. I think that would make it lucky. On June 18th, 2021. Thank you, Coca. I said Osaka would do it. I got it wrong. Back in June, that's when she was having her issues. And I didn't think she'd come back for the U.S. Open. I can't believe that was back in June. It's two and a half months since that. That's our show. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.